It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. And welcome back to hour number two of the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Rob Francis flying solo. Greg back next week. Going to put the phone number on hold for the next few minutes. As we are very happy to welcome into the program the former press secretary for the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Kaylee McEnany, good afternoon to you, and thank you very much for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. Great to join you, and good evening from the East Coast. (laughs) Now, first question I have for you, Kaylee, is, uh, Press Secretary, you were the third one for President Trump in a four-year period of time. What I'm sure many people are wondering is, what are the challenges as Press Secretary, particularly for a conservative president? Well, uh, I think the challenges are evident, namely a biased and slanted press corps. Folks like Jim Acosta, Caitlin Collins, John Carl, fundamentally unserious journalists who have no interest in the truth. Uh, you know, I think the questioning disparity is pretty evident. Now there are questions about the White House cat, the White House dog, the Air Force One color scheme designed by, uh, designed by President Trump. Uh, the very first press briefing, one of the questions was, Biden's been waiting for this for so long. How does it feel for him? Um, I can guarantee you I would never get questions of that nature, nor should I. I shouldn't get questions of that nature. Um, questions related to policy, um, issues of interest to the American people, that's exactly um, what I should get. But, you know, I didn't get those. And, and in many ways, Jim Saki doesn't even get those. Knowing that you were going to have more often than not combative sessions at the podium with the media, how did you prepare, knowing that questions you were going to get may have been, as you mentioned earlier, biased, slanted, unfair at times? Um, what was your approach going out there as far as keeping on target with the message that you wanted to get out and the administration wanted to get out? Yeah, I think I would say it was relentless, undeterred um, preparation. You know, we knew we didn't have the luxury of not having an answer. Uh, we knew that we had to be prepared for any and every question. So my days were filled with waking up, you know, talking to the CDC director, talking to, um, you know, anyone, any press secretary, or excuse me, any secretary of any agency. I, I didn't have the luxury of not getting the information. Um and each and every day, you know, I'd try to find the horse's mouth, whether it's the Depart- Department of Homeland Security um, or the Health and Human Services Secretary. I had to go to the horse's mouth and hear from them. A good example of how that's not done currently is with the current press secretary. Yesterday, you had Alejandro Mayorkas come out and say it was totally acceptable what I saw. There was this image that went viral. The image that went viral was border patrol who had what is typically a rein for a horse but it was portrayed as a whip and it was portrayed by the media to suggest that this uh, border patrol agent was whipping illegal immigrants um, Haitians under that Del Rio bridge well you had Alejandro Mayorkas who came out and said what I saw was acceptable the photo didn't essentially match what actually happened these were horse reins the photo just made it look more nefarious than it was 
You had Jen Psaki who came out and said she was horrified by the images. So you have the head of of a department out of sync with the press secretary of the United States, out of sync with the White House. Interestingly, after Jen Psaki said she was horrified, Mayorkas comes out 24 hours later and says he was horrified. So you have a White House that it appears to me instructs the heads of departments and agencies to match their messaging rather than the facts on the ground. So the biggest challenge, I would say, is getting the facts on the ground, uh, getting the information from the various agency heads. And a lot of times the information doesn't match, by the way. So you have to discern for yourself what is truthful, what is not, what is accurate, what is not. And if you're a Republican, you know that you will be held to account for anything you say at the podium. If you're a Democrat, Jen Psaki, you know what you say is not going to create a news cycle. We're talking with Kaylee McEnany, the former press secretary for President Donald Trump here on the bottom, bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Now, Kaylee, you were the third press secretary for Donald Trump, two predecessors. They left for their reasons, whatever they may have been. Coming in knowing that you were going to be number three, uh, it seemed from your first uh, press conference, that you were more than ready for the challenge that was coming, but it obviously, being combative day in and day out, had to wear to some degree. I mean, look, it didn't wear. I would say, sure, there were moments of frustration. Absolutely. Um, I, like the former president, had thick skin, um, so you know, I didn't let it get to me. I knew the challenges I faced, but alongside the challenges or the realization that this was an immense honor uh, to be a part of history, to be the 33rd press secretary, to walk every day into the West Wing, a place where I once interned, a place where, you know, I used to watch Dana Perino give a press briefing, and to be able to stand in that place and do what I wanted to do, which was have some accountability, hold the press accountable. I never lost sight of the majesty of being in the White House, the honor Uh, the humble responsibility of communicating with the American people during a pandemic. And I think that the the greatness of it all, the excitement of it all, the amazing boss I had, President Trump, was an incredible person to work for. He was a lot of fun. It it made it all, all the challenges, all the, you know, you guys saw the bad stuff. You saw the media um, trying to tear me apart, but you didn't get to see the other side, the incredible moments in the Oval Office and the, the experiences that I simply will never forget. So, the greatness of it all outweighed uh, the challenges, no doubt. Are there a couple things that you are willing to share about about those times that weren't seen? Because there have been so many stories that have come out of the White House from people that were associated with the former president that said it's not what you see. It is nothing like what you see. The portrayals the media are putting out there are doing it intentionally. This guy is not what you're seeing being portrayed out there are there a couple of stories that you're you're willing to share um that that really do show the 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 side of the president that you saw absolutely it's a great question and i get into many of those moments in my upcoming book for such a time as this my faith journey through the white house and beyond comes out december 7th but you can pre-order it if you'd like on amazon walmart target it's it's all there Um, I only say that to say I will give you a sneak peek as to some of the stories. I mean, I think first and foremost was when I first took the job, I knew the president a little bit. Um, You know, I had seen him at rallies. I was his campaign press secretary, but that didn't mean that I dialogued with him every day. It didn't mean that I knew him well. But I took the job and I was really nervous. 
I was leaving at the time my five-month-old daughter, and I remember crying and literally my tears falling on her body and just thinking, you know what, I'm so excited for this job, but I'm leaving her in the middle of a pandemic all the way in Florida. I'm going to D.C., and she lit up with her first smile um, when I was crying in that moment, and it was her way of saying, Mommy, go do this, and it was God's way of saying, uh, I want you to do this. And I tell you this because I get the first call from President Trump after taking the job, and it wasn't, let's talk shop. I want to know what you're going to do when you show up. It was the very first question, is your daughter going to be okay? Is your husband going to be okay? I want to know that. And the fact that that was his first statement, his first question to me, told me all I needed to know um, about working in the White House and working for him. And then I get there, and I'm on Marine One with him. That's the helicopter that takes off and takes you to Joint Base Andrews, where you get on Air Force One. I'm on the helicopter with him one Friday night, and he looks at me and says, why are you here? And I'm like, Mr. President, what do you mean, why are you here? I'm your press secretary. And he said, no, why are you here? It's Friday night. You have a family. You have a husband. What's your husband doing right now? And I said, well, Mr. President, he may be pitching in a baseball game tonight. My husband plays professional baseball. And he goes, wait, your husband might be pitching in a baseball game and you're here with me? And I said, yes, sir, that's right. The whole night, he kept asking me about my husband. And when we arrived back from the rally and we're landing on the White House lawn, he looks at me and he goes, Haley, go to my private dining room, put your feet up on the table and watch your husband pitch. And by the way, never miss the next time he pitches. You know, send one of the young kids who's with you. So it was the coolest thing, and it's something I consistently saw, is the way he cared about his employees, the way he cared about me, and the way he prioritized and cherished family. We're talking with Kaylee McEnany. She's the former press secretary for the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Kaylee will be in the Tri-Cities next month, October 23rd, a Saturday night, uh, with Gather for Him Christian College. There's an event at the Hapo Center. Kaylee, talk to us a little bit about the event and um, why it is that you are coming to the Tri-Cities to speak next month. Yeah, I'm very excited to speak at Gather for Him Ministries. Um, it'll be a great event. Um, I, I, I talked to some of the founders of the organization. It's really impressive, just the mission um, and the Christ-centric focus uh, that they have. And for me, you know, when I do these speeches, of course, we get into, um, you know, a little bit of my time in the White House, for sure. I mean, that's my reference point. It's, um, you know, it's, it's what my life experience for the last year. But more importantly than that, and as I mentioned, that second line in my book, my faith journey through the White House and beyond, um, it's all about, and it comes back to Christ. You know, you can be of the right or the left persuasion, um, but at the end of the day, none of that matters. And what matters is belief in Jesus Christ, Christianity, and he, I can tell you in my life, I, I have a personal relationship with him, and when the going got tough, and, and I had those very hard days in the White House, he always showed up. And so when I go to speak, and I, I'm very excited to come visit you guys, um, I share my faith, and, and that is preeminent, most important, and you so, certainly will be hearing quite a bit about it. Now, Kaylee, you mentioned that it doesn't matter whether you're on the right or you're on the left, it's about whether you use Jesus as a guide, but yet it seems that that polarization that exists as well amongst the right and the left, that it seems that there are less people um, now that are using Jesus and Christian teachings as a guide, particularly as we dive into these ideological differences. Why do you think that all of it, and I shouldn't say all of a sudden, it's been going on for a, for a little while now, but why this push to remove 
those Christian guiding, guiding principles that our country was founded on from the narrative. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, what it comes down to is just a misunderstanding in the form of some, some maybe who misunderstand, aren't people of faith, don't see it, don't understand it. But I also think there's a, a, real, um, a real animosity towards conservatives. I see it in my personal political life. You know, you see it with the media. Um, but I also think even more than that, conservative Christians or just Christians generally, um, there's, there's an ostracization, um, a push to take God out of society, out of our schools. And um, I think in some cases, again, a misunderstanding, and in some cases, unfortunately, an animosity uh, towards these values. And it's so unfortunate because it shouldn't be that way. Um, I can tell you this. Um, I recognize the heart of a, a fellow believer. Um, I'll never forget walking into CNN's green room. CNN, not really a conservative network there, but I was a commentator there for a year. I was a conservative on their channel. And I remember working, walking in uh, to the green room, and, I, you know, of course, I'm very nervous. This is kind of the holding room before you go out on set. And there was a big election night panel. It was my first one, and I was nervous as could be. And I walked in, and I heard a man shout from the corner, I love your cross. And I looked up, and it was Dan Jones, who is about as different than me politically as you could get. He's a, a far, far leftist. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm right, so I, I'm, I'm a strong, staunch conservative, so I would admit that about myself being on the other end. Um, but he was so kind and has been so wonderful, partnered with the Trump administration on criminal justice reform when many other liberals would not. And I say this just to say, you know, when I say conservative, liberal, doesn't matter. I'm a deeply uh, committed conservative. Uh, no two ways about that. But beyond that, um, I'm a Christian and I have a heart for Christ. And, you know, Van Jones having a heart for Christ, when, when you meet a fellow believer, um, your, your hearts kind of uh, become kindred. And that was the case with Van Jones. And I think if we could model in our own discourse um, this kind of uh, love for one another, above political ideology, it would go a long way. We're talking with Kaylee She's the former press secretary for President Donald Trump, and will be speaking uh, with Gather for Him Christian College at the Hapo Center on October 23rd. What are some of the things that people who are debating whether or not they should get tickets for the event, which are on sale right now, by the way, if somebody's wondering, you know, well, why should I get tickets for this event? What are some of the things that will be in store uh, for people October 23rd? I think, number one, I'll take you behind the scenes of the White House. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, no matter uh, which administration you supported, it, it, it's neat to get an inside view. I mean, I was a, an outsider. I did intern at, at, or excuse me, at the White House, but um, to actually go work there to see the, the ins and outs of how it works. It's a pretty cool experience, and I'll certainly be sharing what it's like to work in a, in a White House, um, in this case, the Trump White House. Um, I'll be sharing my faith um, in times that were tough and um, times when, you know, I really saw Christ come to the rescue. Um, and then it'll just be, it'll be a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, try to insert some humor here and there, and it, it should be a fun and inspiring event. And come, I will take you um, behind the walls of the West Wing, and it, it'll be a great night. I'm very much looking forward to it. Kaylee McEnany, former press secretary for President Donald Trump. We very much appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and I apologize if you heard a crying baby in the background at any point. So thank you very much. We, did, we didn't hear anything, and we look forward to seeing you October 23rd at the Hapo Center with Gather for Him Christian College. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Kaylee McEnany, the former press secretary for President Donald Trump, joining us here on the Bottom Line News Radio 610 k Back in just a few.
the bottom line. The only place that cares what you think. Call in now. 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Happy Tuesday afternoon. Our phone number is 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. Thanks again to Kaylee McEnany, the former press secretary for President Donald Trump. She will be in the Tri-Cities on October 23rd. It's a Saturday night. Speaking at an event with Gather for Him Christian College at the Hapo Center, you can get your tickets right now through their website. Make sure you check it out. It should be a great event. Of course, it's not very often that we get to have that type of proximity um, to someone that served time in the White House. So visit Gather for Him Christian College's webpage and get your tickets for October 23rd to see Kaylee McEnany live and in person. Um, Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the redistricting maps. Yes, they're coming. The redistricting commission has been together uh, for some months now working on legislative maps. They are out. All four members have put out their proposed legislative maps. Two Republicans, two Democrats. Uh, visit our Twitter page at Bottom Line Six Ten. We have a link for you that you can look at all four maps and look at the differences that exist and there are stark differences for example the proposed map of the senate democratic caucus appointee brady pinero walkinshaw would have west pasco in the 16th legislative district currently they're in the ninth joe fain the senate republican caucus employee or appointee his map would keep West Pasco in the 9th Legislative District, expand Pasco in the 9th Legislative District, and move the 16th into Grandview. So there are stark differences in each of the maps. The other two members, Paul Graves, who was the House Republican Caucus appointee, and April Sims, the House Democratic Caucus appointee, um... We have a link, like I said, to all of these legislative maps that you can look on, and you also have the ability to comment on the maps. There will be redistricting. The question is, how will it be done? The congressional maps will be out next week, but we'll discuss a little bit, uh, and we can dive a little bit into... Joe Fain's map as we did receive a little bit more information on his and what the breakouts would be. And it's very interesting how Joe Fain's map deals with making things more competitive. So we'll touch on that. When we come back, it's the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA 547 1610 is the number. You can also reach us via email 610KONA.com, the bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, and what you would like to say.
can't get in by phone, give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, presented by Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance. Visit Jason's website, jasonhogue.com. Find out what American Family Insurance can do for you. Could they give you more coverage for the things that you care about than your current policy? Maybe it's a little more affordable. Maybe it's more coverage at a better price. You won't know until you reach out to Jason at jasonhogue.com. American Family Insurance, named the number one insurer for customer service by J.D. Power and Associates for mid-sized insurance companies. Check out American Family Insurance through Jason's website. Set up an appointment with, with appointment with him today. Talk to him about your homeowners, your auto, your life, your small business, even your farm insurance. Jason can handle that as well. Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance. So the legislative maps for redistricting, each commissioner has put their legislative map forward. 49 legislative districts. And each of them do have some changes, and some of them are pretty stark. Uh, For example, the 8th Legislative District, under April Sims' map, is a little bit different than some of the other maps. Some of them are are showing constriction in the 8th Legislative District, not this one. Not this one. This one is not showing constriction. But what April Sims map does, which is starkly different, is it takes a good portion of Kennewick from roughly Chemical Drive, east of Chemical Drive, Gum Street, all the way to Clearwater and Volland and Canal in that area and puts it in the 16th. It puts Kennewick in the 16th legislative district, along with Pasco, West Pasco, Basin City, Connell, Eltopia. That all goes into the 16th. Prescott, Tushi, Walla Walla goes into the 9th, according to this map. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. This is the this is the oddest one I have seen yet. This would this would split Walla Walla in half. College Place and the western part of the city of Walla Walla would go into the 16th. The eastern part of Walla Walla would go into the 9th. Waitsburg would be in the ninth. Prescott would be in the 16th. Colotus would be in the 16th. So the ninth would gain Walla Walla, half a Walla Walla, but lose all of Pasco. And Kennewick would go into the 16th. So the eighth would be Richland, Benton City, West Richland, half of Kennewick, 
Finley, the Badger area. Part of Hanford, because the ninth would actually get part of the Hanford Reach National Monument. They would get Royal City as well. And then the 14th would pick up from there. And it would pick up, the 8th would get Chaffee, and then Gibbon, Wittstrand, Prosser, North Prosser would go into the 14th. Grandview would be in the 15th. Sunnyside would be in the 15th. The the 15th would basically be a cutout inside the 14th, and that would be in the map put forward by April Sims. You can add your comments to that map, but Kennewick in April Sims' map, a half of Kennewick, would go into the 16th Legislative District along with Pasco and West Pasco and half of Walla Walla. Fascinating how that was drawn up. Now, Paul Graves, his map, kind of interesting as well as we look at this. As the 16th has all of Walla Walla and goes further east, including Waitsburg, comes back around, includes all of Pasco along the Columbia River, so it doesn't go into Benton County at all. But his map also cuts Kennewick in half. And in fact, it takes... From Kennewick all the way to, oh, to 45th. So his takes Kennewick from the halfway point between 397 and 395. So right about, let's say, halfway down, when Columbia Drive, right before Columbia Drive intersects with West Entiat, that and east all goes to the 16th. So all of 397, Finley, pretty much a good port, some portions of West Kennewick, Just west, the first couple of blocks west of South Washington will go into the 16th, all the way up to 45th. All of East Kennewick will go into the 16th. Half of Finley goes into the 16th. The other half of Finley goes into the 15th. The 15th on Paul Graves' map takes Benton City. Horn Rapids, half of the Badger Mountain Centennial Preserve, Highland, and south of Finley to the Oregon border. All of Patterson, Plymouth, that that all goes into the 15th. Prosser goes into the 15th. I mean, there are some crazy-looking lines here. Grandview in the 15th. So Kennewick gets... Benton County basically gets put into three districts in Paul Graves' map. Three districts. 
the 16th, the 8th, and the 15th. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 16K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sandy in Kenwick. What's on your mind, Sandy? I just have a question. Is this due to the redistricting because of the mess up in Pasco, or is this just a total trying to redo it? No, they have to redo it by law every time the census is done. So every 10 years, you have redistricting. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see a lot of changes, but based on what the census results are, every 10 years they do legislative and congressional redistricting based on the population shifts. So this doesn't have anything to do with Pasco or Franklin County or Yakima or anything like that. This doesn't have anything to do with the lawsuits that were filed in regards to to that aspect. This is statewide redistricting. Yeah, well, it's really sad. I would hate to see Kenwick uh, split into three, but um, there's another smart idea out there somewhere from somebody isn't there well there's four there's there's four maps here we we have two other ones that we're going to share with you before we're done thanks all right sandy thanks for the call five four seven one six ten if you want to get involved yeah this one this paul graves is 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 really interesting um april sims cut a little chunk out of kennewick this one this one chops kennewick into into two um benton county into three of the of the legislative districts the 8th the 15th and the 16th um that makes things real interesting in the 15th because it gets a lot more of benton county than it currently has so that that is it that is in the 14th gets all of the yakima indian reservation goldendale bickleton all the way west to Trout Lake, north to Pine Cliff. And the 13th looks kind of like a belt. The 13th is an interesting uh, interesting swap as well. Um, from Sprague all the way west to North Bend. That would be... That would be the swath the thirteenth cuts, but um, so that is the map for Paul Graves, Brady Pinero Walkinshaw's map affecting the, the the districts that we that we're touching on right now. The sixteenth would maintain Walla Walla. And College Place, Burbank. It would take half of Pasco. Pretty much would take Pasco just west of 395. Right about Road 36 is where the 16th would end. Up to 182. And Argent, roughly there, down to the Columbia River. It would stop halfway across the Blue Bridge. The 16th would take West Pasco from there, and it would take that west to the Columbia River, north up to Eltopia, Washtuckna, Ritzville. West of Moses Lake, 
east to Garfield, north to Freeman. That would be the ninth under Bradley Pinheiro, Walkinshaw's map. The eighth would have all of Kennewick, Richland, South Richland, but the 15th would get West Richland and Benton City and Badger and Finley. The overwhelming amount of Finley would go into the 15th under Bradley Pinero Walkinshaw's redistricting map. And all of them have the 8th legislative district losing ground. All of them. They all have the 8th contracting to some degree. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll talk about Joe Fain's map, the last one that we will get to. Because with Joe Fain's, we've got a little bit more info in what he is proposing than what the other three are proposing. We'll run that down. His legislative draft in just a few. It's the bottom line. News Radio 610-KONA. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610-KONA. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline. 509-547-1610. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-K1A, 547-1610 is the number if you want to get involved. So Joe Fain, who is the uh, final of the four members of the Washington Redistricting Committee, the only map we haven't gone through yet, Joe Fain, we actually got a little bit more information from Joe Fain than we did from the rest. We even got a breakdown from Joe Fain as well. Um that really dives into kind of the the the, the ideas behind his. So, um, there, what, he looked a lot at school districts, and he tried to keep things kind of try to keep school districts kind of in line. Um, we also looked at competition, and with Joe Fain's redistricting map, what it would do from the last time redistricting happened in two thousand and twelve. There were 25 safe Democrat districts. Now there are 23. There were, under his map, in 2012, when they put it together, 13 safe Republican districts, 11 would be there under Joe Fain's map. It would make four more legislative districts competitive under his map. Right now there are 11 districts that are competitive. His would bring the total to 15. Looking at our area, the ninth under his map would remain largely unchanged, would add more of Pasco. The eighth would contract within Richland and Kennewick, which we've seen all of them contract in the eighth. The 16th maintains Walla Walla, picks up more of Benton County, picks up some of Grandview and Yakima County to reach the population equity, which is what redistricting is. So the 16th is the big gainer in in some ways in Joe Fain's map. The 15th, 
doesn't get Grandview. It doesn't get Prosser in this map. Um, not a lot of movement with the 15th. It makes up for the loss of, it loses Yakima Valley and makes up for that loss by adding population in and around Yakima itself. The 13th will move into Northwest Yakima County and the Natchez and Highland School Districts. The 14th expands into South Yakima County to include entire Yakima tribal areas. Either way it looks, there are some trends that we are seeing in all of these maps. And that is the 8th legislative district is going to get smaller. Now, under Joe Fain's map, Richland and Kennewick stay within the 8th. The movements are around it. It's the only one that Richland and Kennewick aren't touched in the redistricting map. But because of the population growth there and population growth in other places, there is some contraction in the 8th legislative district. The 16th is going to pick up 12%. The 15th is going to pick up 29%. The 9th is going to pick up 5% based on this map. On Joe Fain's map. He's even got population breakdowns. But again, like I said, on our Twitter page, at bottom line 610, if you have Twitter... Go on our Twitter page. You can look at each and every one of these maps on your own. You can see every one of them. Take a look at them for yourself. Make comments on them, which you have the ability to do as well. Because these maps are are now going to go into discussion phase. Bottom line, News Radio 610 K. got about 60 seconds. What's on your mind? I said about the districts. I'm listening to you. Are they going to cut King County District at all? Uh, you know, looking at King County, I don't know that King is, go- King is going. There's going to be some shifting, obviously, in King County because of population. King County's got quite a bit around it. Um, there are a number of districts that are right around or that are that make up King County. Uh Seattle is going to lose to two go. Yeah, Seattle's going to lose a little bit but not a lot. And it's because it's where our vote would actually count. Well, it's not going to shift that much. You you need Mount Rainier for that to happen, but um well, Okay. I'll I'll go put my coals under Mount Rainier then. <laughs> Appreciate the call. 5471610 That'll do it for today. But really, the populated areas aren't going to shift that much. Because remember, they're not gaining there. People are leaving there. We're seeing the population growth on the east side. So that's where a lot of these balances are happening. And the redrawing of the districts are going to have more of an impact on the east side than they are on the west side. But we will follow and see. And see what the deal is. Um... But those four maps are going to move into discussion now. And then the congressional draws, which are going to be interesting to see, come out next week.